All right, thanks for listening to the uh, Nebraska Athletic Podcast. We're back here with Episode 7. Uh, Jeremy Foote, joined by Brian Rosenthal, our uh, writer for Huskers.com. Uh, Ryan's – or, Jesus, call you Ryan. Ryan <laughs> – I've been is, called worse. <laughs> is always turning out – 30 minutes ago, as a matter of fact. Oh, well, we won't get into those details. Um, is always putting out good content on Huskers.com. Um, Follow Brian on, on Twitter, GBR Rosenthal. Um, check out what he writes on Huskers.com. He'll have stuff going into each game week, uh, things after games, and uh, features, just all kinds of cool stories throughout the year. So, Brian, two week, or, uh, last week we were expecting to talk about a football game. Unfortunately, we could not. We have had football now here at uh, the Scott Frost era. Unfortunately, the, uh, the game did not go as everyone wanted, but I think there was a lot of good signs, at least coming out of the game, um, for how the offense looked. Uh, I th- I saw a lot of encouraging things from the defense that we maybe haven't seen the last couple of years. I guess your thoughts on the game last week, and then what you've heard from uh, Scott Scott Frost and coordinators this week. Well, Jeremy, it's always interesting to get the pulse of the average Nebraska fan after a game, and the overwhelming theme I got from talking to. And getting feedback on Twitter and social media from fans is is what I thought after the game was that, yeah, they lost, but there were so many encouraging signs in that game. And, and you think in the back of your head, man, if this had been the Akron game, they they probably could have won this and, and then gotten those kinks out and then maybe being able to beat Colorado. Who knows? I mean, if Zans and Butts were candy nuts, so what party we'd have. But so... You look at it for what it is, and you see the defense get seven sacks. You see them fly around the football, get tackles for losses. You see Adrian Martinez live up to the hype and and do it in a calm, cool, and collective manner. You see both lines of scrimmage performing as well as I've seen a line of scrimmage on either side for Nebraska play in many years. There were downfalls. There were still things that you see that you've seen the past ten years. Penalties for one turnovers for another and those were the two things that that hurt nebraska and how easily or how quickly do you weed those things out of this culture under this new program under the new leadership of scott frost i don't know part of it is because you have so much youth and you have a true freshman quarterback and and maybe a walk-on freshman quarterback this week we don't know yet but some of those mistakes especially for game one are to be expected but Obviously, you can't have 11 penalties going forward. You can't be uh, minus three in the turnover area and expect to win. But my gosh, there were so many good signs in that game. I I go back to the defense more and more. Just I haven't seen the black shirts fly around like that probably since the days of Ndamukong Sue and Prince Amikamara and Eric Haig and those guys in 2008, 2009, whatever it was. I mean, they really got after it. And if they can continue that... I really like the trajectory of this team. Yeah, it was encouraging to see tackling in space and not only tackling in space, but then other guys flying to the ball in yes. space. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's like you said, you can't look back, but it'd been interesting if Nebraska would have been able to play that first game against Akron. Do you have yeah. Who knows? the turnover issues? Who knows? Do you have the penalties? And we'll yeah. never know. Um, now, you I, might know this week. If, if it's a problem this exactly. week, then you then you can look back at it and say, well, maybe they couldn't have won that game because it's, it's still an issue. But, um, yeah, you're right. You, you just don't know. But and, and going back to the defense, it's 
you, you look at it, and there weren't a lot of, like, as you said, missed tackles. Tackling was good. And there weren't a lot of defensive breakdowns either that you might see in the first game or for Nebraska, the eighth or ninth game of the past couple of years. They they didn't really have a lot of those. And the the, the catches and the big plays that Colorado made, Colorado had to make those plays. Like, the game-winning touchdown was a well-covered receiver, and it's a it's a great receiver they've got. And they, they made a great play. Credit to Colorado for that. But... There just weren't a lot of those huge mistakes that you saw last year or the year before in this game. I didn't think, especially for a first game. Yeah, and you and you always and Coach Frost even said it, but a lot of other coaches say it that the biggest jump comes from week one to week two. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, if, if we see a, a quite a bit of a change this week, then you can look back and say, "Well, shoot, if we would have played that action know, game, yeah, and yeah. who knows how that game would have gone?" But then maybe you uh, you clean up some of that stuff. I know Coach Frost today and Coach Walters yesterday they asked about is there a bigger emphasis on protecting the football? And he goes, well, yeah, but we've been emphasizing that all all off season. But sometimes, like I think Coach Frost said today, is until the kids actually see it happen, mm-hmm. then they don't fully understand how important those drills are you do. So that's a case where put the ball on the ground twice, and now you yeah. know, okay, the coaches were harping on us to do this, and okay, it, we needed to do this. And if you go back and look at that very first turnover I would call that a forced turnover on Colorado's part. The defender had his helmet. I mean, he came in right with the the, the the top of his helmet on that football and knocked it loose like you're supposed to do as a defender. I mean, it was a perfect play by Colorado. Uh, the interception, I didn't get a good look at. I think that was probably one of those freshman mistakes that, you know, that'll happen. The other fumble, I think, was probably a Nebraska fumble. But, mm-hmm. again, first game, those things happen. But you go back to the coaching staff last year at UCF and the running backs didn't fumble all year long. So when Scott Frost says they emphasize ball security, they do. Mm-hmm. Not so, like service. Yeah, it's not. And there's, But again, those things happen now again, but you yep. can't have them happen three times. I, I would say this too, that you know, we're harping about Nebraska committing the turnovers. I, I think the the other frustrating thing was the defense not creating turnovers. I mean, you you look at it, you're minus three. If if the defense comes up with a just one or two of their own and they're minus one, maybe they win that game. I don't know because and I know that was the one thing defensively the coaches were not happy about was the fact they didn't get any turnovers because that was another point of emphasis during fall camp and that's what something that this defense under the staff has done at UCF is create a lot of turnovers and I know they were frustrated about not being able to do that that first game too. Yeah, and one of the we were talking about encouraging signs is not to put this on any coach, any player, anything over the last couple of years. But Nebraska gets down fourteen nothing pretty quick in the game. In the past, team has not responded well to that. Sure. Saturday, come out and get a score. Defense comes out, gets a three and out, and I believe not sure if we scored the drive after that but very quickly the game was back knotted at 14 and that's not something we've seen yeah. in a while of you know what you kind of get to that point in the road of okay are we are we going to fold and mm-hmm. this game's over or are we going to step back up and get back in this so. yeah i think it was fumble fumble touchdown is the way yeah. the game started for the nebraska offense so and i mean both of the turnovers were, were were key because one of them nebraska was about to score yes I mean, it was they were moving the ball on the first play, the the first series of the game, snap, snap, mm-hmm. snap, and had Colorado on their heels, et cetera. They were going to score, and then the next turnover was kind of the opposite. It was deep in Nebraska territory, and you basically, you know, gift wrap field position for Colorado, and they yep. had a short field to work with. So, um, 
at the very least, you know, that first one's a 14-point swing because it goes from 7-0 Nebraska to 7-0 Colorado just like that. So, but um, but it is what it is, you know. It's a, it's a learning yep. uh, a learning tool. It's not a conference game. It's not the end of the world. And, again, the way you saw them come back after down 14-0, as you said, compared to last year or past year's, um, much, much better in this regard. However, you'd think the first game of the year they wouldn't totally roll over, <laughs> regardless yes. of coaching regime or year or whatever. You'd, mm-hmm. you'd think that the first game of the year they'd show some heartbeat or whatever, and obviously yeah. they did, so that's obviously a good sign. Well, let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, what did we learn from Co- There's Coach There's an elephant Fry- in here? Not Well, <laughs> my kids may have a drawing somewhere of an elephant in here. Okay. Uh, Adrian Martinez, what did we learn about from Coach Frost today on his availability mm-hmm. both for Saturday and moving forward on the season? Yeah, there's been no determination on that. And as he mentioned today, this is Thursday we're talking, and the last that Scott will address the media was this morning after practice, and he said it could go up to a couple of minutes before kickoff. Now, Adrian's not done a lot in practice this week, and you'd like to think that as a true freshman, you, you probably want to do more in practice than he has to be able to play this week. You know, if he was a senior, fifth-year senior, knew the offense, et cetera, et cetera, maybe he could get by all week without doing a lot and then playing. And, and maybe he still can. I don't know. He's improved greatly each day. He's done a little bit more each day. But I, I think all signs right now probably point to an Andrew Bunch start. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. And that's just you and me as fans. We don't know anything inside information or anything like that. It's just ups, uh, us observing and probably if I were a you know betting man I'd probably say Andrew would probably start this week don't know that but that's what the signs are indicating right now and I don't think they have any issues with that either I I don't sense any panic or indecisiveness or worry or concern or anything like that with him starting this week I really don't if he does yeah and uh I mean another plus side come positive and negative coming out of Saturday was, yes, Adrian got hurt, but I think most people leaving the stadium, probably you and I included, were thinking, oh, this might, this might be rough. But the good sign is, sounds like, as we said, he's day-to-day, could play Saturday. It's not a yeah. any type of injury that... Yeah, the fact there's no ligament damage yes. was the huge thing. Or I don't know if there's any sprain. I mean, I don't know what his injury is, but that's nothing that he for sure will be out four to six weeks or the yep. year or anything like that. It's just he's really sore, and it's probably manageable, uh, a matter of what he can handle pain-wise and being precautionary, knowing that Michigan is next week. I mean, you have all these things to consider. So, But, yeah, it's a lot better news than what a lot of people thought when they were watching Adrian being gingerly taking off the field um, yep. three and a half minutes to go in that game on, on Saturday. Speaking of that, Andrew Bunch sure did not uh, get any eased into the situation. He got basically thrown, thrown into, into the fire. fire. Yeah, I thought he performed pretty well considering the circumstances. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. Sounds like obviously he got. I mean, moving into that, his reps had been cut quite a bit. Um, you know, in fall camp before Tristan Jebby had transferred, it was basically he and Adrian getting most of the most of the reps. Obviously, once Tristan left, uh, I think Andrew started getting more reps, but with a true freshman quarterback. I'm sure Adrian was getting quite a few. Um, what did we learn from 
Coach Verdusco, Coach Frost, Coach Walters this week on on, a, on uh, Andrew Bunch for Saturday. Well, I wish we had the sound clip of uh, Coach Verdusco talking about how fast the Andrew Bunch yes. is. He used about every adjective uh-huh. in in the um, in the dictionary to describe how fast he is. Now, I, I hope people don't don't read that or hear that and think uh, Taylor Martinez fast. He's not yeah. quite that fast, but he does have good speed. Mm-hmm. I think his point was is he can operate the offense and do everything running the football that they would expect of any quarterback here. And he can. He has better foot speed, better agility, mobility than uh, Tristan Jebbia does running this offense. Now, if this were a passing offense, maybe you'd you know, go, go more towards a Tristan, but that's neither here nor there because he's not here. So I, I think that they, they're, they're saying that he has the foot speed, the footwork, et cetera, to run the offense that they the way they see fit. And based on what I've seen in fall camp and in practice, I would have to agree too. And he's got an okay arm too. And as Scott has pointed out more than once this week that there was a drop pass on the the series that Nebraska was trying to put the game away when they were still ahead in the fourth quarter that if Nebraska catches that with Bunch at quarterback, they probably run at the clock and win the game. So, yep. and it was a good throw. So. Again, those things happen, but I, I thought, all in all, he uh, was four of eight, four, four, four of nine, nine passing. Yeah. Um, so if you complete that one, you're five of nine, which is over fifty percent. So uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if if he starts. How much they do depend on him running the ball, and if they can run a lot of the same plays. I, that's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, well, anything else we want to talk about for for. Uh, for Saturday, I know you're you'll you'll be doing something tomorrow that might have uh, a little insight on Troy. Is, have you dug much into them? Any insight on what the Troy Trojans are bringing into Memorial Stadium? Well, I, as far as X's and O's, I'm not a really an X's and O's sort of guy, but obviously everybody knows that Troy is a team that isn't afraid of playing these types of games. They went into LSU last year and won. Yes, the times they've come to Lincoln, it's been a while since they've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the times they've been here, they've put a good product in the field. Yep. I mean, they're a they're a legit program, and they can come in here and win if Nebraska doesn't have their screws on and um, prepared and ready to go, which I think they will be. But even at that, you're talking about a team making possibly a walk-on freshman start a quarterback, mm-hmm. only the second game into a coaching regime, all these things. So um, I think Nebraska should win, but they can't afford the errors they had last week, the penalties, the turnovers, et cetera. That goes for any game, but... Uh, as Scott Frost said that as a coach from a program like this previously at UCF you go into these stadiums and you approach these games like it's your Super Bowl it's mm-hmm. a huge deal so no doubt Troy will be up for this game and probably think they can win it and why wouldn't you uh, yeah you won it you won yeah. Death Valley last year so yeah and had Death Valley off. so it's it's not out of the realm of, not out of the realm of possibility but uh Sometimes I think you talk about that so much that the other team realizes that, hey, we can't let this happen, especially Nebraska already one game down. And, you know, they come out, the team, with uh, a lot more to prove, and they end up being the, the hard team to beat. So let's hope that's the case with mm-hmm. Nebraska this week. But, uh, yeah, Troy's obviously no, no, uh, no slouch, no step over, anything like that. Yeah, and I can't remember which coordinator brought it up earlier in the week, but basically said, you know, that – these guys aren't going to come in. They're not going to maybe look like a Big Ten team from a size standpoint, but mm-hmm. they have a lot of athletes, and they will be flying 
all over the field. Um, so lots of athleticism on the field, lots of speed to, to uh, put up with, and a lot of times that creates problems both offensively and defensively. So absolutely can't coach speed. That's one thing. Um, well, we've I think we've dug deep enough into football for now. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on quickly is uh, volleyball. Another good week from them last week. Had a hey, probably longer than wanted to trip in, uh, to Omaha. Got down 2-0, well, 0-2, however you want to say it, to Creighton. And then had uh, quite the comeback. Came back, won the next three sets to win that, to win, to win that match. Um, then we're back home on Sunday. Retired Sarah Pavin's jersey. Um, got a pretty good win over an Iowa State team that's pretty respected across the country. And um, volleyball's got one conference, uh, non-conference weekend left. This weekend they're back at home again. Um, have yet to leave the state of Nebraska during volleyball season. Um, see you playing twice on Friday, I believe, and then again Saturday night. Um, and then we'll be into what Coach Cook calls the, the hardest – schedule in all of sports, I think he would say, is the Big Ten Volleyball Conference. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you got tickets or if, if you can't make, I believe they play at noon tomorrow. We're record, Like we said, we're recording this on Thursday. If you can't make the noon match tomorrow, I'm sure uh, Coach Cook would love it if you could uh, give your tickets away to somebody that can get in there. Uh, cheer on the Huskers. Like I said, they play twice tomorrow and then get on Saturday. Um, soccer opens conference play this weekend. They're on the road at Rutgers. Actually, they're opening – yeah, opening this weekend, they're at Rutgers in Maryland, and then we have our lone cross country home cross country meet of the week, of the uh, season. The used to be the Woody Greeno, now it's the Woody Dirksen, named after uh, Coach Jay Dirksen, who was here for probably longer than you or I will combine to work here at Nebraska, but uh, or, or live <laughs> or live. <laughs> I still take. I actually worked with Jay for a while when I worked with the track team way back when. Uh, still t- stay in touch with him. He's down in Arkansas now. Uh, Jay's a great guy. Um, but yeah, so that's out at uh, Mahoney Golf Course. Um, it's usually at Pioneers Park, but this year it's at Mahoney because uh, why, Nebraska- is, why is it Mahoney? I'm not sure the exact reason, and the exact reason my I may maybe because I know the Big Ten Cross Country Meet is actually in Lincoln this year and is at Mahoney Golf Course. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that was a scheduling conflict with Pioneers Park of having to have the conference meet at Mahoney, and so. Maybe the thought was, hey, if we're going to run there later in the year during conference, might as well run our home meet there as well. Absolutely. Kind of a, Have the kind home of, court advantage, home yeah, course advantage. And kind of, you know, get that feel for the course. So um, I think we've covered what's going on. Nebraska Athletics this weekend. I know you want to chat a little bit about some men's hoops information that's come out lately. Um, I know most recently we kind of got game times, um, TV assignments for most of the schedule. I know so, some of them are still TBA, but looks like you have an Athlon magazine with you with some prediction information. Yeah, and I think a couple of more TV times came out today. Seton yes. Hall is on Big C- Seton Hall is Network? a 6.30 tip on yeah. BTN, and then the Michigan State game, which FS1. SF, FS1, which we knew that before, but the game time is now set for 7, 7 p.m. 7 o'clock, yeah. Yep, okay. so... Always check Hustlers.com. Um, all the sports schedules are on there. We usually have those basically up to date as quick as possible. Um, you can also find that information in your uh, Husker app, official Nebraska Huskers app. You can find it on uh, the App Store or on Google Play. Um, new app we've had this year. Um, all the audio is free on there. Some good game day information. So uh, make sure you go out and download that. Um, but back to hoops. What uh, what are the national 
national writers thinking regarding men's basketball? Well, there's a lot of national writers, but if this were football season, this would be like May or June when these things Mm -hmm. come out. But I think for basketball, especially for Nebraska football fans, these preseason magazines kind of come out and fly under the radar because everybody's so focused on the sports season already at hand, and they think they're just going to fly under the radar. But they're starting to come out, and one of them that is out is called um, Athlon. You probably heard it before. Uh, And Athlon magazine does have Nebraska ranked, as several preseason pundits do, third in the Big Ten, which is a spot higher than they finished last year. And not only that, they go on to predict the postseason and predict Nebraska to win two games in the NCAA tournament, which in layman's terms, means they would make the Sweet 16. So, which is pretty big stuff for a program that's never won NCAA tournament game ever. Yes. So, if that were to come to fruition, that would be huge, huge news. Yeah, I think we'd take accomplishment. that. <laughs> I would take that too. <laughs> I would take that too. But, you know, it's it's interesting because on, on, you know, on paper, and if you look at them talent-wise and compared to the rest of the Big Ten, there's really not a reason to think they, they can't do that because um, you know they return 79% of scoring 73% rebounds 75% assists and that's from a team that won 22 games last year mm-hmm. the question is and it's, it's valid because this has been this way before with the second year of Tim Miles that they had the, the big breakthrough and went to the tournament and lost and still had Teron Petaway and Walt Pitchford and Siobhan Shields and all those guys coming back and they falter, go 13 and whatever. And it was an uphill climb after that. How do they manage those expectations this year? And I would say, I would say this, that I think maturity wise, depth wise, experience wise, I think this team is more able to handle the expectations and the oncoming grind the the fact that teams won't take them lightly, all those things, I just think the program now is in better shape to face those things than it was five years ago when this happened. So, obviously, and Tim's been there before too now. So, obviously, Tim's been there. Um, I can't speak on for the other co- for all the other coaches because I'm not sure, but I know Armand Gates, uh, new coach this year, was at Northwestern who went through a similar thing. They two years ago made the tournament. One, one game or two games? Uh, they won one game. One game. Yeah. And then last year, obviously, they were had a lot of returning players. Same thing. Yeah. Had a thought, hey, this is going to be one of the top teams in the conference. Didn't make the NCAA tournament. And so I think he's been through it. So I think you have some leader people in leadership that hopefully know how to uh, maneuver that road. Yeah. Um, I guess so we're talking about who, who's the magazine have for uh, first and second in the conference? Uh, first and second, uh, Michigan State is for one. Let me get to the front page here. Uh, that would be a big south. That would not be okay. Michigan State, Michigan. Okay. Is that Nebraska, Indiana, and then Purdue? So that's the top okay. five. And I know Indiana fans are all excited because of the um, the big recruit they have coming in there from uh, Romeo Langford, the local kid who's evidently going to be the savior of the program mm-hmm. and he's like really highly touted and so no, no pressure expectations are very very high in uh, in Bloomington so kind of like football was here but um, yeah Michigan State and Michigan are predicted the top two and then uh, Nebraska number three so and there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten with question marks this year I don't I don't think it's necessarily 
you know, go back to the second year of 10 miles when they made the tournament and the next year, that was a very good year. If I remember, that was a very tough year for the Big Ten. And I, I just think Nebraska is better able to handle maybe the expectations and the schedule, um, have a better grasp and handle of the Big Ten now than it was five years ago. And um, you hope the Big Ten is better this year. I mean, you don't want a situation last year where you go 13-4 and four and because the conference is down, you don't make the tournament. I mean, you, you want better competition, but I think that'll come with the non-conference season because I really like what, what Tim has done with the non-conference mm-hmm. schedule this year and have a couple of the neutral site games and some tough home games and uh, go on the road. And there's two fewer because they have two more conference games this year. There's 20, so that's two fewer of the as a former administrator here, we call them dogs and fleas of the uh, non-conference opponents. Mm-hmm. So you don't worry about 300-plus level RPI teams. There's two of those that are gone now because you have two more Big Ten teams. So obviously that increases your, well, it's the RPI because they don't use that anymore. It's um, whatever the, we, just we talked, talked about, about that last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what it is anymore. Yeah. But point being, I, I think the schedule is more put together this year to help Nebraska and I, I think with the experience that they have and the, the leadership and maturity, I just think they're better able to handle everything better than five years ago when they were kind of faced with the same situation and same scenario. But, you know, we'll find out. Yeah, and again, just on paper, the the schedule just looks like it sets up better this year to have those opportunities to, again, it's not the RPI, but to win games possibly at home. Obviously, yeah. playing at Pinnacle Bank Arena is a – a big advantage over playing um, on the road, but for instance, this year you've got Michigan State at home. Um, just scrolling through the schedule here, is that a home you, game? You have well, you have Michigan State home and away. Okay, that's both. You yeah. have well, we'll just throw, we'll just run through the whole conference schedule right yeah. now. That's good because it's a good reminder. All I know is Illinois and Minnesota are the early December yep. so games. So you got you have Illinois at home. And, and then at three days later, you're at Minnesota. That, that's that's your, a good start. That's a great start. Yeah. I mean, you can't ask for much better than that. Then you've got, just finished out kind of the bigger name non-conference. You've got Creighton at home then, and then yeah. playing the neutral site game in uh, Sioux Falls against There's like Oklahoma five State. straight power five, power six. I mean, Creighton's in there. I, call, I, I include them in what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say here, power five, power six. But Nebraska plays like five in a row. Yep. You've got Clemson in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's at yeah. Clemson. Then you've got Illinois at home, at Minnesota, Creighton at home, and then the neutral site game with Oklahoma State. State. Up in uh, uh, Sioux Falls. Yep. I'm really looking forward to that. I think that'll be a fun game. Fun and, atmosphere. And then once you come back from basically right after the new year, Jan- January 2nd, you start out on the road. You go at Maryland, at Iowa. And that's like the biggest stretch of road games because you, you tie that in with the at Minnesota from the end of the first stretch or the beginning of December. So you have a stretch of like three or four or three straight, is it, on the road? I mean, it's yeah. You, I mean, you're only time altogether. If you look at the rest of the conference schedule, the only other time – they play back-to-back road games like, is at the end of the, of the year when yeah. they've got at Michigan, at Michigan State. Yeah. So you got Maryland, Iowa. Then we've got Penn State at home, at Indiana, home from Michigan State, at Rutgers, Ohio State at home, Wisconsin at home, at Illinois, Maryland at home, at Purdue. Then you've got Minnesota, Northwestern at home, 
at Penn State, Purdue at home, at Michigan, at Michigan State, and then Iowa at home. So you're basically going home and road most of the time, but there's a couple there's a couple home, back-to-back home games, and then you've got yeah. the two pretty much uh, End of the season games. could be huge if, if Athlon's right, because you have yeah. at Michigan, at Michigan State, and those are the two teams. Yep. That you'll be playing them within Tuesday and Thursday, and then that following yeah. Sunday is a final home game of the year, Iowa on March 10th. So that's uh, a great way to finish the season, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's I, I think the schedule works out great for them. I really do, and it's you know they've got the experience, they've got the point guard, they've got the wings, they lacking a little experience inside, especially with the loss of Jordy. But um, I like their team. I really do. And I guess I haven't. I'm, you're probably locked in more on the national scene than I am. Is is this basically around where Nebraska is being picked by most kind of early it, preseason things? It's it's hard to say. I, I've seen a couple where they're yeah they're picked as high as third, and um, you'll see some more of them come out here probably in the next few weeks. But I, I wouldn't expect anybody to have them higher than third. And it'll be interesting to see what the lowest one is. It might be tenth. I don't know. Um, I'd be surprised if it was quite that low. Yeah, but, I would be surprised with that. As well. um, but there will be somebody who'll. You know, have them fifth, sixth, seventh, or whatever it is, and maybe that's closer. I don't know. It's it's really hard to say because, like you said, you've got twenty Big Ten games now. It's the first time for that. A lot of teams coming back from off years. Wisconsin being one of them. I think they'll be better this year. Um, Ethan Happ still have one more year of eligibility. He's, he's like there for his ninth <laughs> year, whatever it is. Yeah. He's he's doing the. Uh, um, Who was the guy that played at Craig Aaron Craft? Well, and who was the guy that played at Creighton a couple years ago that seemed to play like six or seven years? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, which one? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he's he's doing the Aaron Craft uh, um, meter of eligibility thing, it seems like. So, okay. But anyway, yeah, there, there's there's teams in the Big Ten that I, I think will be a lot improved from last year and some traditionally down programs, not down programs, but down teams from last year that – I, I think we'll be better this year, so it'll it'll be interesting to see what Nebraska does against those teams and and, and how they, you know, maneuver and manage themselves. Basketball is the one sport that you can, you know, fo- football is kind of hard to turn around. And you usually hear coaches say, you know, it's a two to three year changeover, really, when you need to make deep changes. But basketball seems to be the sport where you can go from you can go from yeah. bottom of the barrel to maybe top couple ones in the conference pretty quick because. Well, let's look just, at the let's look at the bottom part here of what Athlon has. Um, we'll go eight on down. How about that? So, Ohio State is eighth. Um, Ohio State was pretty good last year. Let's see, they were, yeah, they finished third, fifteen and three and twenty five and nine, and now they're picked eighth. Uh, Iowa finished four and fourteen last year. They're picked ninth, so they're a little bit better. Uh, Penn State was 9-9 last year. They lost a little bit. They're picked 10th. Minnesota, 4-14 last year, picked 11th this year. Northwestern, of course, they had the big big tailspin last year, kind of like Nebraska did after the NCAA tournament of of, uh, 12-13 or 13-14. They're picked 12th. Illinois picked 13th. Um, They finished 12th last year, 4-14. And then Rutgers um, finished last, picked to finish last. So um, teams that are picked better than last year, obviously, well, let's see here. Wisconsin's much improved. They're picked seventh. Um, 
they were like what ninth last year, I think. Uh, Maryland's pick six. The, they were finished eighth last year. Indiana's picked fourth, a couple spots higher. Purdue's down a little bit. They're picked fifth. So, you know, some teams the same, and others are, you know, dropped a little bit, like a Penn State and a, you know, Northwestern stock has really fallen after mm-hmm. you, you thought two years ago that. Um, Chris Collins really had them on the up and up, and it seems like early expectations are down for them this year. And so we'll see. It's it's the Big Ten. It's 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 hard to predict. I, I just think basketball in general is hard to predict because it's just so reliant on young players in projecting out what they're going to be. And like you said, Indiana, they're they're putting so much so much into this one player and. Hopefully the guy lives up well. Not not for our hopes, but I mean, hopefully the guy lives up to what sure. he what he what everyone wants him to be. But if not, I mean, that's one guy can have quite an effect on on a college basketball team. Yeah. Uh, only other thing I want to check in on. I, I know your team in baseball is the Royals. NFL football has started. Do you have a are you a Kansas City Chiefs guy or is that your allegiance? Or? I, I don't have an NFL okay. team. I really don't. You know, at one point when I was a little kid, I kind of did the 49ers only because of Tom Rathman and Roger oh, okay. Craig. That was the only reason. Um, it's that's not obviously stuck on or anything. And then you know, I like to see the Chiefs do well, but I'm not like a huge Cowboys fan or anything like that. I am a so. huge Cowboys fan. <laughs> you and I would so. not have got along well in the '90s if you were still a 49ers <laughs> fan. Yeah, that was probably the late '80s, early '90s. Is yeah. I, I wouldn't say I was a huge fan. You know, I like to see them do well because they seem to have the most former Huskers of anybody. I think that's why I did that, but. Um, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, I don't have any huge allegiance. I'd like to see the Chiefs do well, but I'm not like a diehard like I am okay. the Royals, who came very close to a perfect game the other night against the Twins. But what have you? Royals have actually not been a bad base. I mean, they're under 500, but they've actually been fairly. <laughs> That's the understatement. <laughs> well, of the year. let me finish the statement. After the All Star break, <laughs> they're almost a 500 baseball team. I'd have to look, but they're probably pretty close. They're yeah. arguably playing them. Not not no. that draft position is as important. Baseball is probably almost one no, of the most irrelevant yeah. things. It's not like the NFL or the NBA. Their bullpen is doing better. I will say that. They're, they're making some – McCarthy's ERA is like a 1.4 something since August, so that's good to see. You know, they're making some strides. And, you know, I think a big thing for them going into spring training is just having a better idea. And I don't think they had a good idea going into this year, what they had and what they didn't. I think that's one of the reasons that – Look at me, I'm a big Royals analyst here all of a sudden. But I I, I think they knew they wouldn't they weren't gonna be good. I don't think they realized they how do I put this? <laughs> they didn't have as much as they didn't have. How am I trying to say this? I, I, I don't think they had a, they had a good grasp on like, wow, we're not as thought they'd be a little bit better than they are. Well, I, I, I just don't think they realized their deficiencies were as big as they were in some areas. And I think next year going into spring training, they'll have a better idea of what they have and what they don't and what they need. And not that they're going to be world beaters again next year, but I think they'll have a better idea of what they need to get and improve on and maybe set it up so that in 2020, then maybe they can start competing again. So we'll see. But um, this is, you know, it's encouraging. But the Royals have done this a bazillion years they are horrible for five, six months, and then come September, they're world beaters. But eventually, it led to something. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if they can do it again. You have a World Series much more recently than I have. I'm a Braves fan. <laughs> My hope is 
I was not ex- actually expecting them to compete this year. The Nationals are obviously down. The Phillies are a lot better than I thought the Braves would be. But yeah. the Braves are, I think their magic number now is 10 to clinch the division. And there you go. There you go. The influx of young talents is coming to fruition much sooner than I expected. Well, people are probably tired of listening to us talk about the Braves and the Royals. The ones so. who are still here listening to us. Anyway. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. To anyone that cares, NBA is not far away and I, I don't think, care about that oh I can't wait till we get right. to NBA season and we can just talk about the NBA because <sighs> I think Dan Hoppin and I are the shout out to Dan Hoppin if he's listening well, he can uh, come in here and he, do this yeah he'll, we'll bring him in I think he and I might be the uh, biggest NBA fans in the state of Nebraska so. their season just ended right the NBA yeah well and they I'm start again next fan, week. So mine ended quite a while ago. But they have like what, what a three week off season or something like that. If the NBA was a year round sport, I, it wouldn't bother me. What well, almost is. So you you should I, be happy. Yeah, I should be. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get off the air. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking. Uh, we'll be talking conference football. Gosh, Scott Frost first conference at football Michigan. game at Michigan at the Big House. Uh, should be quite the show. Uh, I think that, that kickoff's been announced. That is also an early kickoff. People 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Yeah. So have time to watch the Huskers and then do whatever else you want the rest of the day. Uh, volleyball will also be kicking off their conference season next week as well. So uh, we'll be looking forward to that. So to sign off, uh, he's Brian. Follow him, GBR Rosenthal, on Twitter. Find everything he writes about on Huskers.com. Uh, we'll see you next week.